Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show. Are you ready to be inspired? Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Uphill Conversations. I'm your host, Tim, and I'm so glad that you could join me today as you're living your life and heading toward your emerging future. Hopefully, you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. So welcome to episode 108. So glad that uh, you're joining me today and giving me some of your time. I believe you'll love today's guest. Before I jump into that, it is the holiday season. People are excited, doing different things. I just want to encourage you to slow down, celebrate, get ready for the new year, and um, think about what you want that year to look like. But most important, be present. Don't just be working and busy. Spend time with folks. Um, have a heart full of gratitude. Be very mindful. Uh, thankfulness, you know, be high on, thankfulness be high on your list. Um, give presence though, really give the gift of presence, give the gift of gratitude, give the gift of kindness and love. Um, that's one of the best gifts you can give all the time. But if you are going to buy somebody a gift, don't just be someone that just randomly grabs things that, oh, this is good enough. You know, it doesn't have to be huge. Just do simple things. You know, one of, one of the ways I like to do things is hearing stories from people or things that I hear them drop in a conversation. And it may be something very tiny, very small, but it's a it's a it's a great way when you sh- when you give a gift to someone and you share something with them and you give it to them and then they realize that you really paid attention to them and listened to something. So simple things are to me the very best thing. So think about people. Take a second. Think about them. Who are they? How are they showing up? What have you heard them say? What do you see that they're drawn to? Things like that. And um, you know, that's a great gift. Find find what it is and. Find those things and wrap it up, you know, give it to them. So love to connect with you on my Instagram at Tim Pecoraro uh, for the show is at Uphill Conversations and also for the work that I do as a coach at Uphill Strategies. So check those out if you can. Also, if you would like to be a guest on the show or you can find all the things about the show as well on the website, just go to uphillconversations.co. You scroll down a little bit. There's a little tab there uh, to fill out the guest submission form. Send that over. I'll take a look and get back to you. And uh, if you know someone that you think would make a great guest on the show, hey, by all means, submit their name and I will take a look and get back to them if it's a fit. Uh, today's guest, though, I just can't say enough about this guy. Um, I had an amazing conversation, probably one of my favorite conversations to date, just because of the amount of wisdom um, that's in this uh, gentleman and um, wisdom. And just I, all I can tell you is wisdom and understanding. And uh, really, really great guy. Very, He inspired me um, in just how he shows up and what he brings to the table. Wrote a great book, From Here to There. It's a quarter-life perspective on the path to mastery. Um, and it's really a book about that. And so let me tell you a little bit about my guest today, Thane Marcus Ringler. Um, Thane uh, Marcus Ringler is a former pro golfer turned writer, speaker, collaborator, and entrepreneur living in Los Angeles, California. 
After competing for nearly four years as, as a professional, he transitioned out of the world of golf into his new endeavors. In his current work, Thane is coming alongside freelancers, business owners, and entrepreneurs to help them by taking the professional athlete's mindset to everyday people in everyday life. He is passionate about speaking to the journey from the journey, and he wants to empower this generation to take ownership of their lives and never settle for less than they are capable of. Uh, he has a great podcast as also, I would encourage you to go check it out. Uh, it's the Up and Comer Show, a podcast all about learning how to live a good life. And if you want to find out more about Thane beyond this conversation today, you can visit his website, thanemarcus.com. So once again, I was so in inspired and so touched by just the communication, the connection, the wisdom, the understanding, um, just the sense and sensibility and, um, and what he does and what he's created and even in his book, but the way he approaches things is so applicable to anyone. So regardless of your age, never let someone despise your youth. Don't let them do it. You step up, keep living and um, bringing your full self forward. And uh, he does that. And I was, once again, very, very touched by this conversation. So without any further delay, let's jump into this wonderful conversation I had with Thane Ringler. Welcome to the show, Thane. I'm so glad you can join me today on um, another episode of Uphill Conversations. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in your world. Well, thanks for having me, Tim. I am, I'm excited for this conversation as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, my world, I am based here in Los Angeles, California. And kind of like a typical L.A. person, I am trying to do too many things. <laughs> but um, it's, a, it's been a fun season of building. And um, I, I just launched my first book. So this last couple months have been kind of a blitz with that. But it's been really fun. A lot of uphill work, right, like you talk about. And um, learning a lot as I, as I try to climb. Awesome. So this book, um, which you sent me a copy, which I love, and I do want to encourage you, if you want to send some more, even sign them, put a little note in there. I love giving away books to people uh, through the show. and yes. uh, But your book, From Here to There, you know, A Quarter Life Perspective on the Path to Mastery, um, you know, when I first, I'm just going to be very honest with you. So, you know, I, I, I got some information from you, and then I went and looked, and I was like, wait a second, this guy played golf. You know, and then, you know, he's he's 20 something. And then I was sitting there thinking quarter life, which I was cool with because I'm thinking, yeah, we all need to understand the this, you know, the winter or what is it? Summer, spring or spring, summer, yeah. fall and winters of our own lives in these, you know, quarters of our lives and stuff. And I was like, what is this going to be about? And so the more I dug into it, the more I looked at it. And then when I opened the pages of your book, I was just like, holy smokes. I was like it's not just wisdom. So some people I think are, they, they're just wise, but I, what I love, it's your wisdom coupled with understanding. And the reason I value that so much is because wisdom needs a tool and that tool it works with is understanding and understanding is not, you know, limited to days on earth. Understanding is where you are at that moment and actually saying, I understand. So that way wisdom can show up and say, this is a tool that I can use. And that's where I believe that there's this acceleration. There's this great manifestation of 
moving possibilities into probabilities. And so that's what I discovered when I opened your book. So thank mm. you for being, you know, just taking that step and saying, you know, this book could have been about golf, but you're like, no, there's more. And you took the chance and said, I have something to offer. And so, hey, thank you so much for doing this. Well, Tim, I really appreciate those words. And it, it really does warm my heart to hear um, that feedback and, you know, those hours and hours and days and all that time spent. You never know. You never know what's going to come. And um, it's just being faithful to the process, being pa faithful to what you believe and how you've what what I've been given in my life and the experiences that God's given me. I mean, I, I just feel grateful and I feel like a, a steward and I want to steward those experiences and those uh, the things that life um, has brought uh, well. And um, and I think you hit the nail on the head, right, with understanding your current place. And it isn't something that's necessarily tied to age. I do think that age can help us discern, right? So right. obviously, like if you're a teenager versus if you're 50, like there are going to be drastically different views of the world. And we should definitely listen to one more than the other in that sense, right? But the point is that um, once we all get past a certain age, you know, usually in, in society, I would say it's that 18 to 22 range of of really becoming who we are. It can happen in college. It can happen in life. It can happen in many different ways. But that seems like the age when we really start having our own personal convictions and thoughts and beliefs. And as we do that, um, I think that then age becomes much more maybe of a secondary determining factor um, in that. I mean, when you look at people's lives, right, like who we are is such a combination of um, our inherited tendency. There's a great quote about this. I can't remember who said it, but he basically said um, who we are is a combination of our inherited tendencies and our life experiences. And the older we get, the more our life experiences will differ from the person next to us because we have more years of difference. Right. And that gap can be wide. And even at each point in the timeline of our age, right, like our so some 30-year-old versus some other 30-year-old can have drastic differences. But if you get to 50 then, a 50-year-old compared to another 50-year-old can be like triple the differences in a 30 and 30-year-old. So all that to say, it's just I, I've been thinking about age as a, as, a, as a descripting or determining factor. And it can be, it can be limiting um, in our perception of others. It can be helpful, but it can also be limiting. I think it's up to us in how we use that. And, you know, and getting into, and I totally agree with you because this is what's interesting about, you know, just what I've been able to gather in my research about you and um, obviously, especially golf. So just so you know, never invite me to play golf with you. <laughs> All right. Because I, I can drive and I can putt, but everything in the middle man, just, I want to play defense in the middle. Mm. I want you to hit the ball and I'm going to throw it back because I'm mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, putting, putting is to toot your horn. Putting is the most important part. Um, so if you can putt well, that's actually better probably than most. It is one of the more mental sides. You know, that the whole saying right. is drive for show, putt for dough. For so, dough, yeah. You know. <laughs> but in your world, you know, you started off, I believe at four, you know, mm -hmm. you know, with this whole golf thing. And I think a lot of the inspiration came from your father. And, um, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, 
kids, you know, that's what they do is they mimic, you know, they, they, they see things, they, they're, you know, they're just coming along for the ride, you know, in most cases. Um, but then you developed, you know, an appreciation for it. Obviously not only with the appreciation, you developed the mechanics, you started, you know, understanding how things worked, you know, you found flow in the game. Um, and I think there was probably a, a, a good bit of value uh, for understanding, you know, for yourself, how to create the advantages that you needed in order to be successful at the game and then be able to start playing at a higher level earlier. And, um, and I want to put that out there because I'd like you to talk about just that growth, that journey of you getting up into the world and then doing some pro playing. But here's what I want you to hold on to. In the, in the world of even where you are, I, feel, I believe it's a neat juxtaposition, right? This is very different because here you are now moving into this other space in this other world, not with a focus on golf, but at a young age, you are already developing these things. A lot of folks can think that there's a, or believe that there's a premature, like you can, you can, you know, peak too soon. But I feel like what you learned at that age from four up until when you decided that this is not where I'm going to keep my focus, that is all of those principles and those values and the skills that you learned, they're transferable into where you are today. So if you could kind of start there with the golf and then move over into that understanding that I'm not I'm not, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm not going to just get bored with this run. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. I didn't, I didn't leave golf out of boredom per se. You know, it's, it's just, you, you, you got a new look, you got a new look on life and a brand new take, um, into where you wanted to go and what, how you wanted to show up in the world. However, what was transferable? Totally. Now it's a, it's a big topic. Um, we could talk all day, but, <laughs> but Yes. Yeah, so in golf, um, you know, again, like as a kid, these things are not as much conscious as they are just unconscious, a part of life. Right. And so it was something I loved doing. And there was a natural inherited tendency within me to be a competitor. Like I, I hated losing, you know, simple as that. Like I didn't <laughs> want to lose anything. I wanted to win. And so that's what drove me to to practice, to 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 develop skill more than the person next to me, just because I didn't want to lose. Um, and that was partly, you know, from my parents, partly from um, you know, life experience, all those things. But but yeah, I think I think the skill development um, in golf is, I think, part of what attracted me to that sport was it was an individual sport, and being on a team was almost like a, a liability because there's other people that could determine the, the, <laughs> the success, outcome. you know, I'm yeah. like, okay, like I, this one, I have all my, I have all control, you know? And so I was kind of controlling, <laughs> but, but it is interesting, um, seeing that. And I think it, it's just interesting looking back on the different phases of it, you know, right early on, it's just something to be active and be with dad, right? That's the earlier phase. Mm. And then it moves into, um, what, it means to compete. You know, I'm doing these junior golf tournaments around Kansas and, you know, in my, when I'm nine, 10, 11, and it's so much fun. You're like with all your golfing buddies, you're out there playing and you're competing and there's some competitiveness in there, but it's also just a ton of fun. And then you, you know, keep adding on layers and I get to high school and it's a whole new pool and there's, you know, varsity and junior varsity and, um, and you're playing 18 holes now. And, 
and my high school coach, Charlie Pierce, was just an amazing high school coach. I mean, he he really gave just enough for us to really get a competitive advantage in how we thought about the game, but but not too much to be unhelpful, right? He he basically printed off sheets for every tournament with like a one-sentence description of each hole that we were playing at, with a little piece of strategy or advice. And that was way more than most high school coaches would do. But it was just not, not too much, right, to overwhelm us. Um, and then I get to college. And again, a whole new pool. I came out to California and played out here. And um, and it's a whole new world, right? We're playing uh, eight, 36 holes one day, 18 holes the next day. So it's a 54-hole tournament. Um, it's a it's another level of... of I mean, the, the amount that the game just blew open complexity-wise in college was pretty insane, you know? I, I look back... In college, I remember looking back and like, man, how did I even, like, score in high school? I can't <laughs> even imagine, you know? Like, because your understanding just expounds so much um during that time and my collegiate quote coach was also an amazing guy jason semelsberger and he just knew a ton he played for about four years professionally as well and knew a ton about the game uh was a really passionate uh teacher and really cared for the guys um and just a such a sweet place for me to to really grow and develop and and i think i i, I talk about in the book about how you know, being teachable by others is such an important thing. And and again, for me, I really just fell into it. I, I didn't necessarily have this conscious thought or strategy of I need to be teachable, but I was teachable. And I remember my college coach said, like, you're one of the most teachable players I've, I've worked with. And it kind of surprised me because I hadn't really thought about that. But for me, it was it was how can I be the best that I can be so that I can, you know, do succeed and 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 win and and I knew that other people knew more than me and I had to learn from them and that's the fastest way to get better um and so there was there was kind of a natural teachability that just came um not necessarily by by intention but but I'm so thankful for it because now it is an intention um mm. and um and so yeah and then and then diving into the the professional ranks you know it it's jumping up another pool again and learning all of these new things and really trying to understand. Um, and so I think with each stage, right, it's a cycle that's very similar. It just looks different in each stage. So the process doesn't change. The experience of that process does change, right, as we get older. And um, and I'm sure this is a similar thing with your show, right? And and what you talk about, uphill conversations, like, like life is always going to be uphill. I mean, that's part of entropy right the second law of thermodynamics is saying without without an opposing force things will decay and in, in, into chaos ultimately um and so we have to always be pushing uphill because if you're not you're going to be going backwards right. and and that takes consistent effort and it will look different but the the process is really the same over and over again um and i think you know once you take enough time to examine, reflect, and look back, you can really start seeing these patterns take place. And I think what you spoke to in, in making that transition from golf to life, right? I think at the end of the day, um, uh, if we think about things in systems and mental models or frameworks or, or just try to think of, of them in the big picture perspective, what we start developing is much more of liquid knowledge, right? Things that are, um, that are, like lateral thinking that applies to a wide range of fields. Mm. Um, and we start seeing these similarities and they start making sense and forming more of a framework for how we think about things. 
Um, and and this whole and the other thing you mentioned that I want to touch on real quick is just that concept of peaking too soon, right? And right. I think like it, it is something that we see a lot and we hear a lot. And we think we actually would think that ourselves too, but that is a choice, right? <laughs> to yeah. say I, you know, peaking. Well, who's that? Who's to say that that's your peak? Right. That's you telling yourself that that's your peak instead of saying, no, like I can push beyond this. Right. And it doesn't mean like we won't physically, you know, lose ability for sure. Right. That's a part of right. living. But internally, we can always be reaching beyond and w- wherever we're at in life, we can reach beyond our, our current self prescribed limitations or self limiting beliefs. Um, and that's really what pushing uphill is about, in my opinion. But I'm, I'm guessing uh, you see a lot of those parallels as well. Oh, absolutely. And thank you so much because that was so beautifully done, by the way. And uh, putting that out there and helping people who are listening, you know, we're not just going to, we're not talking about golf. What I love is how you have been able to, you know, really help people understand that through your experience, you've been able to pull out these key ingredients that are life applicable. And, and what happens, too many people miss that. They think that, you know, you know, like think about a football player. You know, when you look at a, you know, say a quarterback, I'm a New England Patriots guy, right? So, you know, Tom Brady, he moved past limitation and look at where he is. You know, he's most Super Bowl rings, whether you like him or not. People can hate him. I'm from Connecticut. You can hate, <laughs> you can hate Tom all you want. But look at he—he's not the fast. He just hit a thousand yards, man, in what seventeen, eighteen years in the in league or nineteen, whatever his years are. He just got a thousand yards rushing. Rushing, like my my daughter could outrun Tom Brady, right? But his mind in the game, what he sees, and all the things, and then the life though application, the way he can always say it's not just in the game; it is a life component, and I think. We miss what we we miss the lessons that we can learn and the things that we do and how they apply to the rest of our life. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that comes a lot from this awareness. So in the book, there were two for me. Your two are overarching themes, and um, I did verify this because I heard you literally use these words, and so I just took your words instead of mine, but they were close enough. But the the first one, you know, that I, you know I loved was take ownership individually of our lives, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm a person that says have an owner's mind, own your thoughts, your feelings, your decisions, your actions, so you can own your outcomes, whether mm-hmm. they work or not. That's what I say. It's called an owner's mind. That's that's the way I teach when I go to a company and help people who do not have the authority, a leadership quote unquote position that you can still lead from within because leadership is just influence. So how mm-hmm. can you influence around you? How can you lead up? How can you lead across? And how can you lead down? How can you do that? And it's and it's going to be through you know, you having ownership, you being mm. the number one person in your job, be the CEO of your work and watch how that is more promotable than anything else. But the second theme that I love, what I saw was that never settle for less than we are capable of. That's where people hit this wall, right? That's where they wonder, because what they do is they doubt this capability. It's, and like what you said was, I, I think, I, I can't remember how you put it, but you know, it's, I call it the curse of being capable. And so what happens Mm. is a person is capable, but then they don't see the extension of it. They don't see that it really advances or it doesn't go really far. Maybe it's because it's the capability is just the, the point of entry for you to learn to apply that in another direction. 
Mm. Am I making any sense with what I'm saying to you with that? Yes. No. Yeah. I think, I, I think that that's such an, I, I mean, at the end of the day, right. If we think about never settling, the easier path is always settling. That is always the easier path. Like if we default, our default response will be to settle. Um, because we are, you know, naturally lazy, I think, as part of it, right? <laughs> yeah. We want we want life to be easy. We want the quick reward. We want the short-term gain. We want the the easy hit, you know? Um, and that's not how life works. You know, we just right. and, and if if we abide by that, then we're we're naive and we're fooling ourselves. And we do that a lot, right? I mean, I'm guilty of that just as much as anyone else. But but I mean it is a it is a muscle. It is a, it is something that we can train and get stronger in. And I think just like that ability that you can, um, the 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 knowledge that you can, that is such an important understanding, right? Because if you don't believe you can, then you won't. Um, and that's where I, a lot of uh, one of the things I talk about too a lot is is that the importance of both preaching and believing truth. So. Self-talk is something that we use to help, right? Right. And we need to preach truth to ourselves so we can believe that truth. But both aspects of the equation are vitally important because preaching truth to yourself is great. But if you don't believe it, then it doesn't matter what you preach to yourself because what we believe informs how we act, right? And if you don't if you don't act on what you understand, then do you really understand it? That's a great quote by Soren Kierkegaard, who was a, right. a, a theologian, right? And, right? and it's so true. If we get to the root of it, we what we believe, we act on. And so if we're preaching truth or self and we're not acting on it, then we really don't believe it. Um, and that's that's a tough thing, right? Right. <laughs> it's like, right. dang, okay, all right, now I gotta, gotta get serious here. <laughs> but but that's the that's what the never settling. I mean, it's saying, look. Life is a gift. Um, we've been given it, um, and it's up to us and how we're going to use it. Mm. And I don't know about you, Tim, but I am not going to waste my life. I am not going to um, settle for less than I'm capable of or less than what I feel called and created and equipped to do. Um, and and I'm going to literally wake up every morning with that on my mind, right? And if I don't wake up with that on my mind, if I don't preach that to myself and then believe it, then I probably won't be living into that. And so that's kind of our work. And and, and at the end of the day, I talk a lot about being faithful, right? Um, and and as a, I'm a Christian, and so I, I come from the biblical worldview. And, and really, like, in light of, like, that worldview, I think there's one role for people in life, and that is to be faithful. Like, if I can every day be faithful— um, to what I feel called and equipped and created to do uh, for the greater good of others in the world, then then I can sleep um, and rest well, um, knowing that I I did my job. That's so good, and um, and I do share your faith, and um, as a believer myself, and what you said was so strong because um, I love Dr. Henry Cloud, and one of the things that you know I learned, you know, I'm in my, you know, late forties now. And, uh, but when I first heard him say it in his book, um, boundaries, but he talked about no person can consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with how they view themselves because behavior follows belief. Mm -hmm. And that's why so many people run into not being able to see what they're capable of because it all has to start at the belief level. 
in order for you to start looking because behavior is just the byproduct of your belief system. And mm-hmm. so if you don't like the results, don't just look at the behavior and just do behavior modifications. What you want to do is take one more step back and look at your belief. You have to look at what you believe. And I love what you say, you know, when you go to sleep at night, you know, it, in the peace between the stillness where quiet is the sound, do you have peace? Can mm-hmm. you rest? You know, and that is like, Something that, you know, another term I like to use is a lot of people don't have enough sacred space because their world is too flat. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like walk into a cathedral, you know, walk into some one of these big, gigantic, you know, or just into an auditorium or something. That's the way our lives are supposed to look dimensionally. We're supposed to be in there to where our voice can carry, it can echo, Mm. because we're bigger than our body. There's a lot more to us. And if we get too linear and too flat, we're going to lose sacred. And mm. we're there's gaps there, you know. So, uh, um, anyways, yeah, we're going to yeah, get a no. Hammond. We're going to get a Hammond I, organ going here in a second. Oh man, well, there's a great <laughs> quote. I think C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said. You, that's great. He said, um, "You." Um, he said, "Let me see. Yeah, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body." Right. I was like, man, that's so good, right? Yeah, it's rich, man. It's- yeah, yeah. Um, and and that you, I just want to underscore some of what you said because you said a lot of awesome things there. Um, behavior follows belief. That's really so. Um, there's a great book called Strangers to Ourselves. It's all about understanding the adaptive unconscious and kind of doing a looking at the scientific studies behind how the conscious and unconscious mind works. It's fascinating. Uh, kind of a deep dive in the weeds, but. He really points out that, you know, 90 plus percent of what we do is is really fueled by the subconscious. Um, but um, with that, it, that, there's just one of the most famous and long lasting principles in, in social psychology is just that behavior is what leads actions, right? Or what, what leads our thoughts. So right. there's a great quote by, I think, Millard Fuller that says it's a lot easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than think your way into a new way of acting. And, and really what, what the book brings out is this idea that there's two narratives going on in our life. One is subconscious and one is conscious. And typically what happens is our conscious mind is creating and crafting a narrative for the actions that our subconscious mind produces. And how healthy we are is how close those narratives align, right? And so, but his point is that, look, if you want to have or to start influencing your subconscious narrative that's a combination of life experiences and, and, and all those things, then start acting like the person you want to be, and that will align them. And it's as simple as that. You right. know? It's like that's, that's how we can train our mind, and that's the behavior that it follows beliefs, but it, it's also f- fueling and informing beliefs by what we do, right? That's, a, that's the easiest way to change. Um, and then, and I think the other thing that was really, um, that was, yeah, that was really cool was, um, it, it, the question of like, did you do all that you could, um, in that day, right? At the end of the day when you're sleeping, did I, the question is like, did I do all that I could, um, today? Right. And if I, and, and that goes back to golf even, right? So right. in golf, if I'm stepping up on that first tee and I haven't done everything to be prepared, it's not going to be. I'm going to be uneasy, right? I'm going to have more nerves. But if I literally did all that I could to be prepared, 
then I can I can rest in that. I can be like, great, now I get to compete and see what happens. You know, I did my job. Now let's see if it it shows fruit. It, it's so good because, um, and just so you guys listening, uh, Thane does we we we've not discussed any of these things, but the mastery part because I'm very I am I am in pursuit of that my, myself, and and I'm gonna jump into your five Ps in a minute, uh, which is one of your you know, preparation is a big deal, um, which I agree. I have one called three P's. It's plan, um, prepare, perform, but you, you have yours is, I love how you've just taken it to another level, but going back to this behavior part and, you know, just what's necessary. I love, and I think it's correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's probably in chapter six, right? Um, I think it's the, the self-awareness getting into some of that. And, and I'm just going to run this list and I don't want you to have to go through each one of them, but I do want to get into the self-awareness as a growth stimulant because for me, it's growth. And my rule is this, you know, as a kid, I grew up in the inner city, right? And I remember I could look at someone like someone in my neighborhood gets busted for a pound of marijuana. You know, he, you know, he's gone. I won't see him again. <laughs> you know, some other kid who grew up in a neighborhood, you know, affluent parents and they know all the right people. There's affluence and they've got right lawyers and all this other stuff. This kid never sees any trouble, right? It's somehow that works. And I used to think that was like unfair. And I started thinking, wait a second, you know, as I got older, I was like, wait a second, that's not really the answer. And I started realizing you can look at them as, you know, the problem with privilege is it buys you second chances. Mm. But is that really it? And I started thinking to myself, what is really the privilege? The privilege is pressure. It's pressure to make a decision. It's pressure that what you believe can line up. If I do have the first chance, why do I want to blow it to need a second chance? Mm. I do want a second chance if I fail and I make a mistake. I do want some grace. I want some latitude. I want some mercy. But if I could really work better at the way I believe so that I can behave in a certain way, why do I want, you know, the privilege? Because I'm not going to get it. If I grow up in the ghetto, I'm not getting that necessarily. It's not yeah. happening, right? The, the, unless certain things align for me. Mm. But what if pressure was my privilege? And with that being said, you know, and looking at it from that, you know, point of view, this developing your self-awareness and this understanding that you need to have so that you can really address behavior and not get caught up into this fairness thing that mm. you actually have the privilege. We all share the same one. It's called pressure. And without it, you can't get, you cannot bust the seed open. The seed will not, you can hold dirt in your hand, put the seed in the middle of it and squeeze it all day and pour water. It's not going to produce anything. You put it in the ground though, and pressure breaks that skin and the essence that's inside of it can produce and that is the privilege, right? So you have this developing self-awareness, and I'm going to go through these, and correct me if I have any of these wrong, but just, you know, this developing self-awareness is, you know, there's the prerequisite, um, starts and ends with reflection, seek conflict, seek challenge, seek outside perspective, use tools, learn from living, practice humility, and value listening above talking. Do I have those correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, what I love is how you move that over into self-awareness as a growth stimulant. Mm. And I love activators. I like, you know, it's, it's how you, you know, it's flower in one state, but then you add, you know, to stimulate for another state. And you have this four-step path 
observe, evaluate, correct, ingrain. I think this would be really good. And I, and of course, I want people to read your book. Read this book, folks. Mm-hmm. But, you know, could you talk through self-awareness as a growth stimulant with those four, that's four-step path. Can you go through, observe, evaluate, correct, and grain? Yes, totally. And I'm actually, I'm developing and putting on several um, workshops uh, for self-awareness because I really do think it's such a, such a um, crucial element, uh, you know, it, and that's the whole quote. You can't, if you can't self-observe, you can't self-correct. Right. And so if we're going to lead ourselves well, which is the prerequisite to leading others well, we have to be able to accurately see ourselves as clearly as we can by ourselves because usually we can't totally blind objectively. Spots. Right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So we need other people to help us in that as well. But, um, but yes, yeah, so I'll just give one more piece of context too. In, in light of the book, I break it down into kind of the three-fold pro, like three huge – um, 50,000 foot view of pursuing excellence in any field and it's simplicity, complexity, simplicity is kind of the overarching path that we go right. through in developing skill. And the, the key that unlocks the door, um, from complexity into that far side simplicity, which is mastery, pursuing individual mastery with whatever it is we're, we're building into it. The key is self-awareness, right? That's what helps us move from, adopting those universal principles into creating our own individual principles that are best for how we're wired, how we're gifted and our unique strengths and weaknesses. So that's why self-awareness, especially for people in careers, um, that's the biggest missing piece. And and it doesn't happen by chance, right? Society is not (laughs) forcing us to be more self-aware. It's actually trying to dumb us down and and help us be. Yeah. They're not lining um, up to even help us. (laughs) No. So it doesn't happen by chance. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that process, those four steps of just observation, um, evaluation, uh, correction and ingraining is really the simplified version. Right. Um, and, and I think that, um, it, that, that all kind of, it it makes sense. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not surprising for people to hear, but I think, if we can think about it too in the timeline of things, what this what this looks like as we develop self-awareness is kind of a, a, a threefold process of growth as well. So it's it's looking at the past, looking at the present, and looking at the future, um, retroactively, actively, proactively. And and the other way I like to say it is it's discovering, it's understanding, and then it's optimizing. Mm. So initially it's just looking back, right? It's observing, it's reflecting, it's seeing why did we do what we did? Why did we think the way we did? What what caused what? Taking time and space to pause and reflect and see. Then it's understanding, right? It's starting to become more and more familiar with it, more and more um, competent of the things that cause it, and, and more recognizing it more in the moment, in the present, not just looking back on it, but starting to see it happen as it happens and understanding it in the moment. Um, and then we go into the optimizing phase, right? Which is seeing things before they happen, understanding how we're going to feel before we get there or how we're going to operate before a situation comes. In that way, we can proactively choose how we want to respond in that moment, how we want to act and what's best for whatever it is we're pursuing in that. And that's kind of priming in a sense, right? And so one example, um, 
so a golf example, I, uh, was, I was frustrated with my, um, performance, especially when I played with certain people in the same playing group with my playing partners. And what I came to realize in that reflection, looking back phase was that I was, I was playing worse with certain players because I respected them more than others. And because I respected them more, I elevated them above where I should in my mind, right? Above the rest of humanity and right. said, I care more about what this person thinks about me. Thus, I'm putting more pressure on myself to play better in front of them so they think better of me, right? Which is so illogical and irrational. I mean, it's rational, but it's also irrational at the very same time. And so then I start understanding it. I see it happen. And then it turns into, okay, how can I go to the root of this, cut it off, and start developing and optimizing for the future, right? Optimizing for more opportunities when this comes. Um, and that's true in all of our life, right? And so another simple example from recently is I've been doing 5.30 a.m. workouts with my roommate. And um, and so when the alarm goes up 4.50, you know, it's not, as Jocko <laughs> Willing says, it's not singing you a song. It's hitting you on the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> and... Um, and, you know, this, this last Monday, for example, I, my roommate was sick. I knew he probably wasn't going to be able to work out with me. Um, and I knew that my, as being a little tired and not getting as much sleep as I wanted to that night, I wasn't going to feel like working out that morning. It was a hall pass. Yes. Right. <laughs> I'm going to wake up. He's not going to go. I'm like, I'm going to go back to bed. So I knew that that I understood that that's how I often operate, right? How I'm going to feel in the moment. And so that night, I was priming myself by preaching the truth of saying, hey, you will you will benefit from going to the gym. You're going to be thankful you went to the gym. You're going to feel better. Um, it's going to give your day more life. And it's developing that discipline. Um, and you're going to be thankful to do it whether or not you feel like it. And you won't feel like it in the morning. And I got to go to the gym. And my roommate didn't come with me. And it was great, you know. So, But we have to be adamant about that priming and the reason that I was able to abide by or become be the person that I want to be was because I understood the tendencies that I'm going to have and I was able to optimize it in light of that. So that's part of the process of self-awareness. Man, so good. And and I love you know how you break it down in just a simple way. I mean, obviously from you know even the example you used with the certain players that you played with and how you elevated them. It puts you in a spot. A lot of people don't realize you're putting yourself in a spot to where you have to prove yourself. And I mean, I think we're all, you know, we all put ourselves there. We all put, you know what I mean? Like if, if you're sitting there and you're constantly trying to pr prove or convince somebody of something, do you actually believe it about yourself anyway? And so it still comes back to, do you believe it to be true? And then how you, you diminish your own qualities, your own gifts, the way you show up because of these certain people that you just assign greater value to. Yeah. Um, and, and I think one, what sorry, is that? One yeah. It's value attribution. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. you know, it's like that Josh Bell story where he was, you know, in the subway playing in jeans and a sneaker and sneakers and a hat on backwards and a t-shirt, people just walk right by him. But if he was doing the same thing in his tuxedo, the news would have been there, media and everything. Oh, it's Josh Bell. But everyone else just thought he was a normal street performer because it's value attribution. Hmm. Yeah, and, and that's so crucial. You know, in, in light of, again, the biblical worldview, it's saying that, and this is something that I think is so helpful, whether or not you believe in God or the Bible, like what God shares in the Bible is that 
a, the right way to view humans is twofold. It's one that we have been created with um, in the image of God, meaning we have inherent value and worth that no person can take away. Literally, no one can take away the value and worth that you've been created with. Doesn't matter what you look like on the outside, doesn't matter where you're living, um, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You have inherent value that no one can take away. The second thing is that we're all sinners, meaning no one is better than the rest. We all fall short. And so because of those two things, my job is to see every human being as that, which is on an even playing field, on an even plane. And then pride, right, puts me above the rest. And then fear of man puts someone else above the rest. And both aren't helpful for us or for others. And so we have to constantly be fighting for Regardless of what the surface issues are, how can I see each other in those eyes, God's eyes, right, of, of who we truly are as humans? And that really helps us um, see others rightly and see ourselves rightly and then and be able to to lean into, you know, our full potential in that. You know, Thane, being a 20 something um, and I don't know your exact age, <laughs> but if you want to share, you can. Uh 26. <laughs> 26. Okay. So, I mean, you're up against that, you know, I, I believe you're very wise. And I told you in our, you know, our brief pre-chat that um, I enjoyed your book. And I mean, and I'm not finished with it yet because just a lot of things going on with clients into the year, but I'm into it. And like, I'm. but what's cool about your book is I'm camping out in sections. And that's when I know something, something is holding space in my world. And, um, and I'm one of those, I try to avoid all the tips and info and resources, all the shiny things that are around me. I like to really have a true engagement with something to really glean that information because, you know, for me, it's just, you know, I like what you said earlier about liquid things need to become more liquid. The way I like to use it is a lot of people will fill their heads with gold. What they need to do is put some fire to their head and melt that gold and get it into their heart. Things need to become more internalized. And, your book does that. And Ryan Holiday is a great example. And um, that this is me saying this to you, and I want to say it where the audience can hear it. I mean, I've enjoyed your book thus far as much as I've enjoyed The Obstacle is the Way and Ego is the Enemy. Mm, thank you. Um, <laughs> that means a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and I love your groundedness. I love uh, the fact that um, I know you're competitive but I can, you know, even in being competitive, I appreciate um, that you understand how to wear a cloak of humility. So thank you so much for being that person. And I hope you never lose that as you continue mm -hmm. to do great things and you continue to advance and grow. Um, but with that, I'd like to say, you know, what are questions that you ask yourself, you know, regarding your own growth and your movement toward your desired future, you know, that others could benefit hearing what are questions that you just make sure that you ask or some examples of questions that you've asked yourself so that you can continue to make sure that, yes, take this step. Yes, go this way. Yes, have this conversation. Yes, do this hard thing. Mm. What are those questions? What are some that you would share or some that you would share with the audience to say this would be helpful for you? especially for those who are listening and feel at a young age, because a lot of people treat younger people as, you know, you don't have access, you know, mm. go live a little longer and then come back and talk to me. 
But you, this is your uphill as a young person stepping out who I, I, I respect you as a man and as a peer. So I just want to say that out loud, but Thank just, you. you know, but you know, your history, a lot of people will immediately dismiss you or disqualify you because of that. I have an audience that there are people out there like that. And I also have an audience that are older that also feel like they're being dismissed because maybe they're not where most people thought they would be. What are questions that you think mm. are important to ask? Yeah, I love that. It's it's a that's a great question, <laughs> pun intended, you know. But um, so the first thing I want to say is just um, to thank you for what you share. It does it does mean a lot to hear. And 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 I think to for people listening, you know, there's a great quote that I've been I've been kind of helping share along with my story. And it's I don't remember the guy who said it, but he basically said that I was born on third base and thought I hit a triple. <laughs> and that is so true for me, right? I had no choice in the family I was grown, I was born into. I had no choice really in the life I was given and the gifts that God really just blessed me with. Um, and so if, you know, like you were talked about earlier, like if you're born in the ghetto and you have a much more challenging path and road, um, I, I didn't have that. And that's okay on both sides, right? And saying, look, like, I can't feel shame and guilt for something that I didn't choose. Right. Um, but just as much as the other side can't, um, you know, feel helpless or hopeless because of something I didn't choose either. So we both need to, again, take ownership and never settle within our current context. And if you think about it in the big picture of things, um, that bo- being born in adversity will produce a stronger person more often than the other side if you have intention behind it. Because, right, you're going uphill longer and sooner than I had to. I was, right. I, I fell into it in that, again, like I didn't want to be, I, I so much didn't want to be a, a spoiled brat that I was going to do everything I could to, to not be that guy. Um, and that's what drove me, you know? So, so I was, I was thankful for that. But, but again, you know, I, 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 I want to be faithful to steward what God's given me. Um, and I think that's what everyone should strive to do. And it's going to look different for different people, but the core of it is that same thing, striving to be faithful, um, with who you are and where you are in life. And so the questions I ask myself, um, a lot, honestly, it's, it, it, again, these are shaped by my, my worldview. Um, so it may look a little different if you have different faith, but, but for me, it's, is, am I being faithful? Like between me and God, that's what I care about. I, I want to, I do value other people, right? But, but I care about what God thinks. Um, and so I am evaluating between me and my heart and between God Am I being faithful to what I feel he's called me to, what I know he's called me to through his word and then through his spirit? So that's the first and foremost question that I'm constantly asking myself. Um, but but beyond that, um, I, I think it's so important to sit with ourselves and our thoughts um, consistently, whether it be weekly, monthly, even daily. Um, and so really, at, I think at the on the monthly level, I'm always asking myself, Am I am I making progress to what I've laid out in front of me? Like, am I actually moving the needle with where I want to go? Um, the 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 more the more weekly one is, 
um, am I saying yes to the things of most importance and saying no to things that aren't as important? Um, but throughout all of this, I think, I think the important, um, underscore Tim is just that it, again, like life is self-awareness is, is a balance as well, right? There's a, there's a spectrum in self-awareness and in self-development because if you get too far on hyper awareness or hyper development, then life becomes centered around you. And all of a sudden the universe is revolving around you and neither of those are a good thing for yourself or for others. And so a big, a big thing that I have to constantly ask myself is, am I serving or loving others? Well, in light of this, because it's very easy when you do a lot of things on your own to be so, and, and this is a big thing that I didn't enjoy about golf actually, is you're so focused on yourself and your performance and your results um, that it can become life sucking because it's all about you. Um, and that's not how we've been created. That's not how we're wired. Um, and we really, what, what our self-awareness needs to produce is benefit to others and the work that we provide to them in the world. And so, um, I think a big question I'm always asking myself with that is, am I, am I serving and loving others well as I'm building these things as well? Wow, that's so good, and I appreciate that open. And I love the, the just your openness, but I love how you bring it back to life, and I see how it brings it back to belief. And it's it's you also thinking of your past, your current, but also allowing, um, in a spirit of prophecy, being able to you know look forward. You know what I mean, and mm-hmm. um, you know not trying to predict but live into your future. Mm. Um, and that's very powerful, which leads me into, you know, nothing happens by chance or overnight, right? Mm. And this is that mastery concept and the five P's of mastery. And if, you know, I have a few more things here for you, but, you know, your five P's of mastery, which is great because I do believe we're called to, you know, there's, there's I can't control anything outside and beyond me. Um, and that's it. I can, you know, it, I'm in control of my own thinking, you know, I mean, things will come into my head, but I can take control. You know, I believe that you can take every thought captive and in unto the obedience of God. That's my attitude, you know? So if a thought pops up, I bring it down and make, and say, look, you get to kneel, <laughs> you know, yes. <laughs> you, <laughs> yes. you get to kneel. So, um, and I know, and for those of you listening, we're not trying to tell you what you should be, who you should be, how you should believe, none of those things. But these are things that they're principles, regardless, principles will matter and they do work. And um, so you don't have to, you know, buy into, you know, what we believe in our faith. But the five P's of mastery, purpose, which is your foundational side, preparation, which is your daily doing, process, you know, we're always in a process. And then also you have patience and you have persistence. And in those five P's, knowing that nothing by chance or overnight, how would you sum those up? Purpose, preparation, process, patience, persistence for the listeners. Yes, there. Yeah. I, I, so we'll just walk through them. Purpose, you know, why your why? Why are you doing what you're doing? If it isn't attached to your greater vision for your life and what you're striving to do, and it's not in alignment with that, then it's not going to be able to weather the inevitable storms of living uphill as we are doing right. um, with you know life. And so you have to have it be attached to your why. And if it's not, it's probably going to fade away. And, and if it's not something that should be attached, that's probably a good thing, right? So 
is it um, in line with your purpose? Do you have a purpose? Like, do you have a why for what you're doing? Um, that's the most important, right? Because we need that. We need a vision that's compelling for our lives. We need a reason for living, a reason for pursuing um, work worth pursuing. That's what I think uh, Theodore Roosevelt said, right? It, the greatest gift in life is the ability to work hard at work worth doing. So we need to have um, that why attached um, and have that be the cornerstone. Uh, and then we get into we get into the the um, the second one, which is preparation, right? Which again, like th- golf is very similar with this. So golf is 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 very much um, your results fall squarely on your shoulder. But there also is an element of chance, right? You can't control how the ball bounces. You can't control how the wind gusts. You have to just accept it. And I found um, when I was thinking about my my performance, I got into evaluation of okay. What, um, how can I think in post round evaluation, how can I think about my performance? And I broke it down into three categories, mistakes I made from lack of preparation, mistakes I made from bad decisions and mistakes I made from lack of confidence. And at the end of the round, if I could end the round with very little in all of those categories, very little check marks in each category, then I could be okay with the results. I could I could accept the results because I did all that I could within my control considering the circumstances. So that's what preparation is, right? Am I prepared to do all that I can within my control to ensure um, that I travel well down the road ahead? The third one being process. Like you said, we're all in process. We're all in a process. Um, so getting familiar with the process, understanding the process, and seeing our place in that process is what's going to help us um, embrace where we're at in the process and also recognize and see it clearly so that we can adjust accordingly. Um, and that's where momentum, I, I talk a lot about momentum in the book as well. Momentum is such an underutilized component in life. Life is always an up and a down, an ebb and a flow. We go through mountaintops and, and valleys. And if we're not recognizing where we're at in that flow, that that ride, that roller coaster, then we're not going to be using it well. And, you know, we are going uphill. Um, we're climbing mountains. But then we're also, you know, reaching peaks. Yep. And then we're pushing towards newer peaks. Um, and we're also going down the hill to go back up another one. And going down the hill can be both good and bad, right? It can yeah. be a blessing in that it's a thrill, it's a ride, if it's a roller coaster. Um, or it can be, you know, something that we need extra focus on because we're more tired from the hike. And so going down the hill is going to be actually kind of dangerous. Um, but, but then there's, you know, when we're in the Valley and recognizing when we are in a Valley, so we can really gird up our, our strength to really be prepared for this, this fight. Um, and then patience and persistence is what I ended on, on those, because that is just, it's massive. I, I do word I do a word of the year. I don't know if, have you ever done a word of the year, Tim? I, um, no, I have a word, which is people. Everything I do is about people, but to hear what you're about to say, I think I'm kind of excited because I may have to start. <laughs> yes. I, I just literally, <laughs> I love it. I love people too. That's good. Um, I was talking with someone about this last night, but very. It's. I wish more people did this. That's why I'm glad I get to share it now. Um, my sister got me started on doing a word of the year several years back. Instead of a New Year's resolution, it's saying this is a word for my year that I'm going to hang on to. It's a lot easier to hold on to just one word instead of resolutions. And it's vague enough that it provides a lot of um, room for change throughout the year or shifting into kind of new meanings and context. So my word of this year was build. 
And this last year, I've been hmm. building a lot, right, in, in moving from golf into the new career paths. And, um, and I start out the year really, it's really interesting to see how it, it went throughout this year. I mean, I started out the year really excited. You know, you're building, it's, it's fun, it's new, it's novel. Um, it's, you're excited to see what comes. And uh, you're just kind of amped up. And as the months went on, I get to like almost halfway through the year. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm still building. And, oh, this is a, a word of the year. So I'm going to be building the entire year. And, oh, yeah, this actually takes a long amount, a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of work. And you don't just build things overnight that they actually take years. Yeah. And and you start learning, it, you know, it just starts sinking in more and you experience what buildings, not just the idea, but the reality. And that just really left me with this, this secondary words of patience and persistence. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to build anything worth building, you're going to have to have patience and persistence to see it through, to be patient enough with all of the steps and the work and the time and the effort and energy, being patient enough to not give up on it, and being persistent enough to see through the inevitable obstacles and hardships and trials and down periods and up periods that you're going to face in the road ahead. Um, and so my <laughs> this patience and persistence is, I think, going to be an anthem, you know, really throughout my life. But it's been really interesting in this season as well. Wow. Man, it's, it, you're, it, you do so well. I'm just telling you, it, you're a great communicator. And it, it, the authenticity... Um, just, I can't say enough about it. I mean, really, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just really good. Well, and again, that, and tell that your parents whenever you speak, I mean, just say, Hey, I had this podcast with this guy and he just wanted me to come to you guys and give you a hug. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't wait to do that. <laughs> I mean, Ben, it's like, this is great. Um, you know, and that's what I want to see my wife and I want to see in our kids, you know, and, and they're doing great things. And it's just, we want, we, we tell them all the time, you're more than you've become mm. every day. Don't be a chameleon that just takes color from the world. Chameleons do that because they got to hide. They want to, you know, watch out for predators, but it's also a way for them to sneak up and eat. But what about a chameleon? What if you put color into the world? You know, stop taking color and put it into the world. And I believe, Thane, that's what you're doing. You are putting color into the world. And, man, please let your parents know that. Um, yes, I, I would definitely will, Tim. And thank yeah. you. And, I, and just to share some love back, honestly, like I, I, I think that just – anyone listening and even myself in the context of this interview can see that um, these are principles and concepts and ideas that you live out in your own life. I mean, when you're able to provide these pictures and illustrations and um, ways for people to receive concepts more attainably in in the different ways you describe it, even as you ask questions, it's clear that this is a is a it's just part of your life. And it's cool. It's cool to see someone, you know, or just interact with a man like you who is also striving um, to be faithful. And, and I think I think what you just said, too, just goes back to taking ownership, right? Especially yeah, that's the younger generation, what we need to understand. Um, and this, you know, we, like we talked about before, generational roles are really important. And the younger generation, we need to understand that, look, like the reason we're able to have this conversation on these microphones over across the country um, is not just by chance. We didn't just get here. We just didn't arrive. People 
had an idea. They thought that change was possible and they were courageous enough to really pursue it and see that idea becoming a reality over years of time, right? And and so guess what? This younger generation, that's going to be us. That's going to be you guys listening who are younger, right? You're the ones who are going to be having to lead that charge in the coming future, in the near future. Um, and that means taking individual ownership again of our lives and of the decisions and actions we take. So you know, it's just cool. You know what's cool is I feel like I'm Moses and you're like Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> and this is cool, man. I wonder if this is what it was like for those two to talk. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just like share and really open up, you know, and show that cro- the beauty of cross-pollination of yes. thinking and understanding without the generational differences, you know what I mean? And focus on what's important, man. So like really this warms my heart. Like mm-hmm. it just warms my heart. Um, you know, you've been gracious with your time. Uh, the, I know your book is sold on Amazon, um, amazon.com and, um, in your website, will you just talk you like, what other things do you want to draw people to? Is there anything you're putting out any kind of, um, you know, material that they can go, where, where would you want to send them? Of course, I'm telling you listeners, you must buy this book. <laughs> I, I really believe you need to get this book, but what else would you have to say? Is there anything out there that you have that you would want to send them to? Definitely. So I'm definitely most active on Instagram at Thane Marcus is my handle there. That's where I do a lot of the content I produce, but I, I write blogs on my website as well. And, um, and the book is available on my website as well if you want to get it from there or um, that the, the, the work that I've been building into. Um, I'm going to be speaking a lot more this next year. Um, so there's a couple different um, people that I'm partnering with in that. So it's going to be fun to see um, how that all shakes out. And then uh, I am also I do I call it collaboration work, uh, but it's it's basically performance and development coaching. Uh, with individuals. And and it's something that brings me a lot of joy just to try to um, come alongside as a teammate to people and help them in their process of development, whether it be transitioning careers, whether it be um, within a current career context, or um, just like needing to get a better balance in life. Um, I think that that, that the professional athlete's mindset um, is really what I'm trying to instill. And golf gave me a great gift in that. So I'm excited to keep um, giving that um, towards others. So definitely reach out if you're interested in in collaborating on that front. But yeah, I would love to hear from from you guys. And I'm, I'm always um, down to connect. So Okay. And lastly, what are three things that could be personal or professional that you are optimistic about over the next 12 months? Mm, I like that question. Three things that I'm optimistic about. Um. First thing, I am I'm optimistic about a lot of um, what we talked about today. You know, I think that again, these messages are very empowering, and I think that's the point. Like, how can we empower others again to take ownership and never settle? You know, how can we help them? Um, you know, in that process, as we're in that process, like we haven't arrived, we never will arrive, and so I'm I'm optimistic about um, more people hearing that message and, um, and the, the fruit of that message, um, being displayed in lives. Um, I'm optimistic. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I can't not say that I'm optimistic about God's kingdom. Like I really think that he is active living and active and he's working and I'm just excited to be a part of that, um, as his child. And so that's something I'm really optimistic about always. Um, and then lastly, 
I am, well, I'm optimistic that something is going to happen, right? Right. So that's the one guarantee in life. This is what my brother-in-law says. One, th- one guarantee in life is that something is going to happen. <laughs> so what are you going to do with that, right? It's up to you to choose what you're going to do with whatever happens. Um, and it's great. We get to have that choice. Like it's so empowering. Um, so it's, it's a great place to be, um, and to grow in that, in that perspective. And, um, so I'm optimistic about that as well. Yeah, it's awesome. You've been a great guest. We, we may have to do like in another six, six, eight months or something. I need to get back with you and you, man, you would, you would, you would, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but I think you would make a, a, a a uh, great podcast host. I think you you should put together a podcast. <laughs> well, thank you. I I actually have one, Tim. <laughs> you do? <laughs> I didn't. Yes. So so I do. That's part. You know. Again, I. I what is it? Great, I need to. It's, it's I, called I, the Up and Comer Show. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's all about um, learning how to live a good life. And so so yeah. Like again, when you're listening and hearing this, right? I didn't just become a a a good speaker by chance. You know, it takes a lot of reps. And you, you know, you work on the craft, whatever it is. Um, so, but thank you. Yes. <laughs> check out the Up and Coming show if you want um, to tune in. It's been, it's been a fun time. No, I'm going to go check it out. So, but thank you. And, um, and for those of you listening, um, this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations. Always remember you can be more, do more and have more. Your reasons for being, doing and having are for you to figure out and no one else. Always remember your current condition does not match your emerging future and it never will. However, the most important things are uphill, but you cannot go uphill with a downhill habit. And then lastly, the one thing you can count on is you will see people like myself and Thane on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at uphillconversations.co. See you on the hill.